Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Go to tacticalpermaculture.com for more info. You gotta train for me Because I'm training for you We gotta love, love And revolution to do You better train for me Episode 14, Growing is Half the Battle in Estate Politics Originally published December 19th, 2021. Tonight I am excited to speak about a topic that is um, very painful for a lot of people. It's something that uh, I've heard a lot about. I haven't experienced myself directly, the, the battles that occur over last will and testament over trust documents over the dispensement and distribution of um, inheritance and uh, I happen to know some people who are experiencing um, acute sibling rivalry and politicking within the family, and um, this is something I've I've spoken about before, and what was beautiful for me recently was um, having a conversation with someone about all the kinds of treachery and manipulation and just estates really having this toxic effect of bringing out the worst in people and tearing people apart over mostly material objects and um, and sums of money and it's to be expected unfortunately in a world that is um as some people say, drunk on prosperity, those who have wealth to manage and control the destiny of that wealth across their heirs and the nuance of weaponizing and leveraging the estate plan as a, as a way to... Um, extort basically uh your loved ones it's it's something that i have not experienced because i have not had wealth handed down to me i don't expect to be in that situation either however i am now in a situation where i am building a nest egg i have real property, I have um, a vision to 
manifest continuous financial abundance so that I'm able to add to that personal nest egg and and continue to evolve my living trust, revocable living trust, so that um, as people sort of fade in it, phase in and out, fade in and out of being uh, close to me and and in in alignment with me, um, that document can just like any business enterprise, if, if, um, it's like hiring and firing or letting people go or laying people off or people deciding they're ready to move on, you, you have to grant that freedom to people to choose their own destiny. And they have to always also understand as an employee or contractor, let's say that, um, that they may, if they may be, replaced at any time i've certainly experienced that i've certainly been traded traded out of <laughs> in a in corporate positions to where when the venture funding that i helped to um to secure was used to replace me with more qualified people and i was just a i was just a, a band-aid or i was just duct tape on you know on a business and and then um but i was i got it to the point where it could afford to hire the right person that wasn't me <laughs> and it, it it turned out being the best for everybody it was it was uh it was very very um amicable thing but uh it's just interesting the different emotional um the professionalism versus the family economics and politics and uh and and yeah business and where emotions and where professionalism and where entitlement and where legality and lawsuits and lawyers and really a lot of ugliness, a lot of expensive ugliness is um, is lurking behind every verbal and written contract that we that we get ourselves into, and um, a lot of people have arrived at the conclusion that uh, managing wealth and trying to control the destiny of that wealth into the future is is actually uh, in some sense it's so problematic it violates religious principles it may not it may it may <laughs> bar you from getting into heaven um, there's a lot of uh, folklore everything from Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol to the, uh, to biblical fables and, um, and attitudes of, of wealth and money. So since it hasn't been, well, since I haven't had to, since I've only been able to hear about what other people go through, let's say as their parents are, they've got the carrot and the stick they've got a means to to control manipulate and um i can see the i can see it from both perspectives i can see the now that i have to think about what happens with what is a very humble and modest nest egg and list of assets that are being that are already titled or being retitled into a trust. Um, 
now for the first time I can understand uh, the the side of the tyrant, you know, the parents who have to who have to for better or worse they have to they have to manage the the, the parameters of, of those um, estate plans and and that's going to be a an evolving thing for every family and um, I would have only ever identified with the rebellious short end of the stick sort of counterparty to the the the, the parents and the estate, um, I would have just said, you know, punk punk rock style, like, fuck them. They don't understand. They're trying to impose their values and their expectations, and it's always about pleasing them or being excommunicated or cut out of a will. And, uh, yeah, actually, no, I know... That's been a big theme in people's lives who I've known, who I've lived with, who I've been lovers with, where they had toxic dynamics with their parents because there was always that uh, that power that you would think would end at some point. It never ends. Like the power to, at a whim, decide whether or not they're going to buy you the candy, you know, <laughs> it's like you never grow out of that. And I see the childishness of the of the heirs and the the, the the tyranny the sinister manipulative tyranny of the uh, of the parents and and you see that dance continue until until the the uh, estate planners die and and then people f- probably a lot of times regret how ugly things had gotten near the end when it should have been about honoring life and everybody feeling good and about the hard work that people had done, not that I believe in hard work and that the work, the worth ethic, worth ethic that is the work ethic that is imposed upon the plebes within civilization. Yeah, I'm not, uh, <laughs> I've been anti-work for a long time. Um, But whether it's from old money inherited from generations or it's somebody got somebody worked really hard and could was able to put everybody through college and now there's you know properties to hand off and vehicles and usually well not usually as in for most families but as in estate planning there it's like what happens to the home, who gets to sell it, how does all that politicking work out? And um, of course, the sad thing is that whether you want to call it human nature or tragedy of the commons or human conditioning or capitalism or whatever, it's like it's it's rare that you're going to find families where there isn't conflict over who gets who got the best of the vehicles or who got the best of the beach houses and and who got what percentage of the pay on payable on death bank account dispensement and and whatnot and um 
I think a good example is that film Rain Man, where <laughs> there's a really surprising and upsetting, um, because of the estrangement of uh, Tom Cruise and his father, there was a very, in his mind, unexpected and, and in his mind, unfair um, <laughs> distribution of the the assets of the estate. And then the whole film is about addressing that sort of um, corruption of greed and lack of family connection that uh, that this whole shit show is, is really... Uh, that I'm talking about is it's really all about. So that's a great film to kind of anchor in that energy of um, the fuckery that is estate planning, you know. And um, and even Vin Armani on a previous episode where we talked about cryptocurrencies and talked about um, security and private keys and key management and crypto estate planning and whatnot, and we're talking about a. What, could, what would make a good novel or film the idea that um, a crypto holder of a, a crypto fortune would create an elaborate scheme of sort of spiritual initiation and, and, and spiritual growth, possibly a world adventure where you pick up different slices of the, the key material through different shamans, and but only after you pass the crucible and it's designed to get the family to cooperate again and to connect. And so it's like you could put some very interesting, even through smart contracts, you know, and, and things like a dead man switch, you could program, <laughs> you could have oracles that say only after my kid actually completes this level of education, will they get um, the the key slice that they need to do the multi-sig or whatever. So that that would be very mundane, but I think it'd be more interesting to say um, heal the family karma with the ayahuasca journey in, in the jungle, and if you can um, have one one of these approved um, clinicians use their credentials and their, their and their sort of uh, digital identity um, wallet to uh, sign off that you had done that, that that would send a signal to the blockchain, and then you would you would have your you would get released the um, the key material and whatnot. I think that could be very fascinating. I mean, obviously they've talked a lot about el- eliminating the need for banking and lawyers and documents and judges to do estate planning and estate um, uh, asset transfers just through smart contracts on a blockchain. Um, eventually, retitling won't have to go through the mail. Uh, it can go through the blockchain as well. So imagine everything you could imagine wanting to do um, to to manage an estate. Uh, all of the all the investments, all of the cash, all of the properties, all of the deeds, all of the equipment. If it's a business, everything, business um, interest certificates uh, and crypto keys. All everything can be programmed through um smart contracts to actually <laughs> obviously with, with wanting to have a robust uh oracle to verify death certificates and whatnot i'm sure there's places where that could get really dicey um but it's all coming but for now 
the politics are going to be the same no matter what. I just hope that it, it, that the more interesting and more creative, um, intentional uh, healing stipulations could be put in, in into uh, future future estate estate plans and uh if if the rain man scenario was uh a sort of a ill-planned trolling sort of um misadventure with some form of bitterness and some sort of constructive intent uh, it's hard to say i don't know if i if i'm missing or have missed more subtext but it seems like it was it could have been it could have been executed more it could have been more of a designer experience that was uh because it was kind of haphazard the way that uh tom cruise found you know his soul in that film but uh but i see i could see you could doing a lot you could do a lot to um make very designer adventures for your heirs your trustees so that they collaborate and honor you and um engage in teamwork to what i think do is most important it's not just sell off all the assets and go to vegas and get hookers and blow or whatever it's like what is the spirit of the previous wealth holders sort of um intention for what they worked to create in this reality and um for some people that's very clear it's very mission driven very purposeful for some people they just want you to be a Christian and go to church, and that's good enough for them. Um, a lot of people have uh, nonprofit projects that they that they support, and that portions would go to, and that's certainly part of my part of my planning. Um, is to take care of the people who are going to take care of the work that I started on land, the projects I've started, and make sure they're taken care of, and and then. Um, have them be be compensated for doing the administration of making sure that ongoing royalty payments and ongoing um, revenues to my my name, my assets, my ongoing intellectual property that's that is um, by the terms of the documentation all funneling into a trust, and that trust is to be first. Uh, the first um, recipients or the first um, those first to be paid out of it would be those who are working together to to maintain the operations whatever those are and to and to administer the, the the donations of the lion's share of whatever comes in the form of revenue for that to be um, the major the, the the majority of it to be distributed across a number of nonprofit organizations, and then as a sort of rolling backup, if any of those at any time cease to exist, then it would be up to the trustees to find a suitable replacement. But in that sense. If I if I were to be successful at a dream of having a, a memorable enough legacy of um, creative works, then those creative works would have, uh, I guess, until the um, uh, well, even beyond a sort of uh, patent expiration, as, as it were, even if things go into the public uh, public domain, um, 
I could see there still being, obviously from productive land projects that are owned by a trust, you know, there could be yields, just indefinite yields to be managed. And so... Um, what what I really want to I'm really interested in 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 moving towards in this exploration is um, what I arrived at from the permaculture a sort of tactical permaculture thinking about the way estate battles go down and how <laughs> poorly designed the circumstances tend to be how poorly designed the documents seem to be and. And if I were a permaculture estate planning consultant, which I absolutely am to myself at this point, (laughs) um, I mean, I'm starting with myself and uh, I don't think that I would ever care if I don't have to, to provide professional services under contract and with the anxiety of people not being satisfied and wanting to sue me (laughs) for, for the money they pay, like, I don't know if I want, if I can avoid um, that those types of liability that would drain my estate. <laughs> well, I'm trying to help other people figure out their estate. They're going to threaten to drain mine. I I don't know if it's worth it. I, I if I can afford not to, if I can have a minimalist lifestyle, so I don't I don't have a I don't have so much overhead that I'm forced to cross that line I'd rather be able to say hey I do a podcast if you're interested in permaculture estate planning listen to episode where the episodes where I talk about it and see if you get any any uh good advice from from that as I move along with this um so yeah, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not an estate planner, I'm not a lawyer, don't play one on TV, etc. But I am a permaculture designer, and I am in the process of myself um, applying permaculture design principles to designing peaceful um, pathways for trustees in perpetuity to... Um, get along and be incentivized through what's going to be very advanced game theoretical design in addition to permaculture design which has its own sort of um, innate game theory (laughs) sort of ecological game theory Um, now I'm studying game theory proper and I'm thinking through a lot of new material that's going to add a lot to my permaculture designs and most importantly for the sake of this topic how I for myself create more more peaceable pathways to to uh, preclude estate battling over what I leave behind so here is the thought that came to me after spending some time consoling someone going through some some pretty heinous um carrot on carrot and stick tactics within their family estate planning journey and um it just came to me well it was very obvious that that the pattern is if you if you put the permaculture um design 
toolkit, if you if you open the permaculture design toolkit and and look at the problem that you want to solve, the problem being toxic meltdown of family harmony and cooperation over the we used to say propertarianism back in anarcho-punk days, you know, for people who wouldn't share their guitar and let you borrow their amp or whatever. It's like, oh, what a propertarian. <laughs> they believe in property. You know, we were very, uh, you know, property is theft. That was the sticker. That was the T-shirt. And uh, maybe I've sold out. I haven't changed my core idealism. Um I've had to compromise, hopefully without selling out, but the the core of my beliefs definitely is that um, I don't believe in individual private property. I believe in an anthropological concept known as usufruct, if I'm pronouncing it properly, but it's the concept in anthropology of it's mine until I don't need it anymore, and then it's yours, and then it's yours until you don't need it anymore, and then it's somebody else's or it's mine again. But but going back to the anarcho-primitivist, um, st- I almost said staple, that would be a <laughs> would be too ironic. There are no staple, staple crops in, uh, in, in, in foraging societies, but the, um, shall we say the, uh, I can't say bread and butter either. That wouldn't be appropriate. Let's say, um, the bulk of the optimal foraging theory yields from being nomadic and carrying only what can fit on your back and using easy to make, easy to discard and recreate um, stone tools and other implements that are very light duty and not not machined but handmade and can be and are non-polluting either. That elegance, that sweet spot of human um, Paleolithic existence is what informs the idea of usufruct and the idea that the gods must be crazy in the sense that, um, if that means anything to you, it's an old reference, but materialism, sedentism, domestication, civilization, fighting wars over the private property owned by the nation-state all of, ge- all of geopoliticking, everything that has led humanity to the brink of another extinction event that's human-made through World War III. I mean, this is all the amplification of the earliest signs of social stratification in graves, the earliest development of class systems in the slaves the merchants, the warriors, and the priests. I'd like to think I haven't embraced that dark side of the force and that I have been attempting to live an egalitarian way, as much of an egalitarian way as possible, and to share what little I have and to distribute um, the yields of production um, through voluntary association, not through a coercive state apparatus, but through affinity and through um, mutual aid. And so a very organic and very green anarchistic ethic of, um, you know, you're not going to make too much of a mess if you're living life 
that that is handmade straight out of wild nature or straight out of a garden um, finding that sweet spot of a semi-nomadic horticulturalist society that um, doesn't fully displace the forest but tucks its its horticulture within the systems and cycles of the forest and actually enhances the ecology um, that's what permaculture is all about what's necessary for the ancient ancestral human ecologies to work and by extension modern extrapolated permaculture systems to work ecological designs for human survival key to that so key to that that it is one of only three ethics that are that are the pillars of the um the permaculture design systems ethical framework it's the third ethic and it sometimes is made cute through a rhyme um so starting with the first earth care is ethic number 1 people care ethic number 2 and then some would say fair share is ethic number 3 however the fair share is some people think it's a, a a distortion a bastardization a dumbing down a utopianizing um uh, a, a way to um enforce a sort of um socialism within the permaculture design system and i don't care too much for that debate because i think it's the third ethics don't have to don't have to be perfect and they don't have to encompass every possible um permutation of 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 libertarianism in, in my mind so fair share is um it jives well for me i don't find it offensive some some people do and and that's fine and there's plenty of debate around that um but i would if i if i were to vote whether to keep it where it is as a, a, the, the the cute rhyme that replaces a very um a, a very a far less elegant original original authoring of the of the the text uh, which if i'm remembering correctly is the third ethic was in the permaculture designer's manual i'm not reading it as a direct quote but from my memory it's it's a lot different than fair share but but sounds but has similar intent and that is um something to the effect of uh set limits to population and return the yields of the uh the, return the surplus of the systems that you design back into the first ethics back into the system that's being designed so i think it's a little shorter than that i may have added a few words or or switched it around a bit but but it, but unpacking it and and it's the idea that well no one no one likes to talk about population paul ehrlich was a very sensible population scholar i've studied population ecology 
population biology, all kinds of gobbledygook in between. And I don't consider myself a Malthusian. I consider myself um, a... A horticulturalist, <laughs> I'll just put it that way. And if you ask me what I what I would like to be doing and what I am doing, it's horticulture. If you ask me what I think humanity should be doing, I would say, because I'm an anarchist, I wouldn't impose coercion on people. But I would say, if they ask me what they should probably be doing, I would say horticulture. And by the way, if you want to spice it up a little bit you could you could study the permaculture design system and then you have basically horticulture plus a lot of bonus features <laughs> and a lot of um a lot of additional social political science economics um beyond simply botany the botany of plants and how to cultivate them so propagate them care for them etc but this idea of returning surplus creates that circle that that's embedded in the, in the what you could say is the permaculture logo a snake eating its tail it's it's a regenerative system just like the cycle of the seasons just like reproduction just like um producers consumers decomposers it's it's a it's a loop it's a it's a food chain it's a food web energy comes from the sun it percolates isn't it's it's trapped and bounced around and percolates up through all kinds of different life forms until it gets to the so-called apex predators and um studying that food chain studying that uh, that food web understanding the energy that is conserved and and throughout that process and how through through intelligent or through very um wise nature mimicking design systems we can we can elaborate on and we can riff with nature on on these ways to trap solar energy to get and and water and 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 nutrients and basically become artisans become um fine artists with um with a symphony of symphonies of seed and soil as paul wheaton likes to say and um yeah if you were if you are striving to live closer and closer to the land greener and greener less toxins less chemicals less products less processed anything then there's less of a toxic legacy to leave behind, which is great. Um, there's less of a of a pollution caused by the accumulation of wealth. So, going back to the estate planning, from looking at estate planning and then looking at the permaculture three ethics, um, unless you're a hardcore environmentalist family, probably there are no ecological directives. <laughs> that are in the will or in the trust. Um, but let's say, let's say a, a green hearted family 
was going to say, let's not do what everybody else does and and set ourselves up for total toxic meltdown over who gets all of these toxic assets, literally, like not necessarily toxic as in that they can't be flipped, but that they're that they're just um they're destined for the landfill is what it is. Like, oh here's all this crap that's worth a lot of money in the market, but it's all going to the landfill someday. You know what I mean? Literally it is all going to be junked someday. The vehicles will be junked. They'll become a toxic mess. They'll probably not get dealt with in, a, in, in as ecological as a manner as they even could. They'll probably just become leaky, landfill, some parts recycled back into more fossil fuel burning machines. And then like the house is going to get tore down and all of that petroleum-based carpeting and paint and all of the nothing is really probably going to get salvaged maybe some of it will get salvaged but all the wire it's like that's landfill that's going to go to the landfill so so that's not very that's not as permaculture as you can get if it's like yeah i've got all this stuff it's worth a lot of money on the market of real estate and vehicle blue book or or property that's like someone can build their McMansion on or maybe commercial property, whatever, but it's all stuff that basically is, um, it's not gonna make it easier for you to get into heaven. If that's what you, if that, a, if that's what you cared to accumulate and B, if that's what you leave behind. So I like the idea of permifying the estate planning process and really thinking about the third ethic, which leaving the population part of it aside for now, um, the idea of returning the surplus and by extension, the idea that what happens if you don't return a surplus? What happens if any substance, any material, any chemical, any anything in the physical world, even anything in the metaphysical world, but we're speaking purely about science when it comes to permaculture. So anything that is not properly redistributed across nature becomes a pollutant. So by extension, what's important about the third ethic when it comes to estate planning is that wealth itself, the power of capital not distributed across and balanced across a system, an ecosystem, which we're all embedded within, and we either participate by the within the framework of nature or we or we try to defy it to our peril. But everything is functioning within ecosystems nested within within ecosystems. So there's a lot of capital financial capital, real estate, and other, <laughs> even digital assets, right, um, that are basically, they're not building soil, and they're destined for the landfill, or their very existence is contributing to climate change or pollution and whatnot. 
even just sitting in a bank, for the bank to loan it out, <laughs> mostly is probably going to, you're not going to have a lot of control over what that compounding, where that compounding interest even came from, what kind of wars and what kind of mining and what kind of um, resource extraction and enslavement. Some people are very ethical with their triple bottom line investment portfolios. Um, I'm sure there is a a lot of very, very beautiful souls, uh, a number, a vast number of very beautiful souls who are doing greening the estate plan, um, both for charitable. I mean, yeah, if, let's say you have a, a tons of land and you die and you give that land over to a, a, natu- a nature preserve or some sort of conservation project and 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 that happens a lot and that's that's beautiful you know you you almost can't do better than that because then at that point you've transcended a lot of the family politics and the hope that you know the the hope that they're going to carry on your passion to save this endangered species or create habitat for this key indicator species or whatnot or just keep your gardens alive (laughs) um but if you say, hey, I'm going to build a beautiful human, uh, horticultural, human-scale personal garden, and I'm going to devote a lot of land to restoring healthy soil for all life to benefit from and then leave a lot of it to the wild. And then when I die, none of the heirs even get to look at it because I don't trust them not to just put a Walmart there. So I'm going to give it over to an existing land trust which has all kinds of holdings and all they do is do conservation work you know and so who knows maybe someday there will be a permaculture um i'm sure they exist all over the world the best permaculture that i'm aware of seems to be mostly abroad because of how much more you can do with how much less resources and how much less regulatory uh overregulated the places are that bill and and jeff talk about and all of the people involved in the movement um i'm sure they have and i know they have from even just the pdc with bill and jeff bill talking about i think there's a story there's a story of a of an indian man who i believe himself became very wealthy and then decided to give it all away and renounce his his capital and then go on foot as a pilgrim basically go go um living very lightly and going and and being a spiritual consultant to people with vast wealth who were nearing the end of their lives and actually facilitating their handing over of their assets and their wealth um, either directly if it's farmland that they own, giving it to peasant farmers to own for themselves as an act of spiritual redemption while they're alive and or liquidating assets so that that so that an organization could buy land and do and, and give it and give it over to um to peasant farmers if I'm understanding correctly and I don't remember exactly the name of it but that that of course to me hearing that again recently was was so beautiful and then i realized that seeded within me the the solution <laughs> to the sort of first world problems of estate 
battles where it's a bunch of toxic crap that's going to go in a landfill and everyone's going to fight over and create psychic toxins to go along with their fight over the over the, the material resources that were not in a permaculture design where they were all along from the entire hopefully over generations over generations the 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 end game would be families passed down non-toxic food forest paradise garden properties that are livable that are sustainable that are self-sufficient that are producing no waste and where every output of every system feeds into another system that adds value and ultimately you have within the boundaries of what of, of, of each site that you own you have enhanced the quality of the soil and you have cleaned up the runoff so that less toxins less pollutants run off of that site and cause a problem like manure massive CAFO manure piles um, running off from stormwater into the ocean creating mass dead zones that's that's the best physical world example of what happens when you don't return the surplus back to the back to the system where an accumulation of toxins what would have been a good thing the manure which is precious had it been wisely redistributed and pulsed back into the the natural systems that can absorb it as a nutrient rather than a acute poison that's the whole idea so if you can understand that which is i think very easy to understand if you visualize dead zones in the ocean from massive uh streams of um of manure that's run off by the rain and fills storm drains and becomes this massive overdose of nutrient that causes extreme havoc and death in oceans that's not even to mention the pesticides um but that that's the best uh, visual to think about how farmers at any scale can and should be composting and cycling and dispersing and making very intelligent use of of that manure as it is freshly produced and not allowed to just be this um accumulation that has nowhere to go and is is unmanageable becomes a problem so in a perfect world by a permaculture designer world there would be no toxic stick frame mcmansion houses there would be no fossil fuel vehicles made out of all kinds of toxins and plastics and rare earth minerals and batteries and all that in a perfect world everybody in the first world would be living in completely handmade earthen um, structures and they would be surrounded with so much lush food forestry on their property that uh, you barely would even be able to see 
what structure they lived in because they'd be tucked away so much in this food forest. So ideally, if that were the case, then you would hope that the, the, the love of that land was so deeply instilled in the heirs of that land that they would be stewards of it indefinitely and it would be kept in the family. It wouldn't be commodified and it would be it would be preserved. Um, that's what permaculture is supposed to be about. <laughs> Having something worth making permanent through generations and generations of culture. That's how our ancestors lived. They cared for the land. They cared for each other. And when there was yield, it was returned back to the systems for the majority of the majority of time that we have been I mean if the, on the scale of being nomadic immediate return hunter gatherers just uh, the return of surplus would be if you hunted an animal you share it with people simple as that and if you try to become the king and the tyrant and not share with people there's a natural uh, tendency to to resist that and therefore, a balance is struck, and that's why 99.9% of our existence has been as foraging nomadic hunter-gatherers in small bands of very small numbers of people relative to settled settlements and, and cities. But, for example, the quintessential northwest coastal Native American tribes that practice what some would say looks a lot like a form of slavery and that they had the ability to create yields that for example um, smoking of the fish yields you could have surplus unlike many other um, hunter-gatherer societies and so that that sort of niche that they inhabited um, it, it did it did provide the material basis for stratification to a degree, but um, I don't have my anthropo—I don't have my anthropology, my ethnography, uh, ethnology perfect on this right now. But from memory, it's worth noting that um, there were checks and balances even then, to where if that's if that's supposed to be the quintessential example that sort of myth busts the noble savage theory that. Uh, the hunter-gatherers, uh, pre-agricultural societies were all egalitarian. That is an outstanding counterexample to that thesis. Um, but the mitigating um, factors of, with the broad brush and not getting into as much, obviously there's infinite nuance to the different cultures, but, um, but it's worth noting that to some extent there was this notion of potlatch of returning the surplus very in a very ornate very very ceremonial way so it very very much exemplifies the third ethic it's more obvious that um i mean the third ethic of returning surplus is is pretty subtle if it's just sharing the kill from a hunting expedition amongst hunter hunter gatherers it's uh it's 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 subtle even with for uh, with gardeners um sharing their their crops with each other forming alliances and using the the crops as currency between each other for barter and whatnot 
but the potlatch phenomenon is even is even more of a dramatic um a dramatic exemplification if that's the word it exemplifies more dramatically the notion of the return of surplus ethic in that they literally did it was sort of like a burning man of 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 what they had what the yields that they had you're either giving it away or you're sacrificing it in a way it's like it's not about accumulating it it's about it's about surrendering it and showing that um that you don't need that much that you're 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 abundant enough to that your needs are, are are covered and this is how much extra you have to give back and give away and that that is like the party of the year or the party like that again i'm not uh i'm not doing my best right now to cite the the anthropology for this i'm just speaking in broad in broad terms but um the reason why it's important to have these visuals what is the what is the the shadow of surplus and what is the light of surplus the shadow of surplus is the pollution that comes from too much of a good thing being stockpiled or being hoarded or being controlled and and, and therefore being a, a means to manipulate people or to cause to wreak havoc in the environment or fight wars over or etc so this idea that as surplus begins to accumulate by design, a healthy family, a healthy culture would be very intentionally maintaining at any given time a small amount of the variable this a small amount of of the of the surplus item or items so at any given time there's sort of like a <laughs> it's illiquid at any given time you you would want it to be as um already gone as from from as close to the point of it becoming coming into existence let's say manure to the, to it being tucked away into a regenerative agricultural uh, horticultural system that that happens quickly it happens routinely there's not there's never at any given time a you know a, a um, an excess of it like the, the, there's that the the idea of an excess accumulating is 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 precluded by the behaviors the cultural practices the horticultural practices so that there isn't an accumulation so that makes it that's makes the amount of it the sort of um the flow of it at any given time um that's not um that's exposed shall we say that 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 makes it um a very short a very small amount of material and a very short amount of time and then that the 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 distribution is as wide as possible over over a given area um so it's dispersing it decreasing the amount dispersing it as far and wide as possible and therefore you have a the ability of nature to reabsorb the the byproducts of 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 life the um to reabsorb the outputs of from one level of the the food web to another and um those are the important factors you know of 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 making sure you don't have a pollution problem is 
dispersal over over space and time and um and and controlling the volume in that uh in all of those uh calculations so as i thought about from the potlatch on the light side to the dead zones in the ocean caused by CAFO farmers runoff um, on the shadow side of surplus and then having this conversation about estate planning um, now I realize you don't have to be a farmer or a farming family to in, to include permaculture design principles in estate planning you could actually for example, if I put myself, I'll just, if I'll say, it's clear what I'm doing. I have no McMansion. The vehicles I own are very functional for the job of permaculture design work and installation. Um, the digital nest egg that I have is intended for nonprofit and nonprofit uh, donations um ongoing and after i'm gone and whatever revenue and cash flow is generated to my name should be that surplus should be redistributed and reabsorbed into the permaculture projects that i initiate with my bare hands myself and so as of this moment there's one property that i own that i'm working on if um abundance continues to manifest then then there will be multiple properties and even hopefully multiple properties throughout the world that are in the name of my trust and that uh and that are going to um basically be reinvested in as i'm alive and then when i'm gone that's all that there will be it's like a a document well probably a smart contract but basically a trust a, 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 a trust document that uh, will probably be again digitized on the blockchain but a trust instrument shall we say that probably is a better word for it the trust instrument that is digital and printed and filed properly you know as, as needed that is able to interact and be interoperable with legacy banking legacy um, land titling systems but that will be flexible in how it runs oracles and smart contracts but but essentially if i imagine that if i well what we could say like they say bitcoin um doubles every two years i think is the is the average so if you average out all of the crazy spikes and and um collapses and 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 crashes and all the volatility all the volatility since its inception you have i believe a doubling every two years if i if i have that correct so um so let's just, um, for the sake of argument, just say, well, if my trajectory is um, is aligned with with that trajectory, then well, okay, then who knows? Well, we could, e- I could probably easily say, every year my the number of properties I own will double. That's actually feasible. I can see that happening very easily. Uh, with the strategy that I that I'm I'm working with, which I'll I'll get into in a minute, um, but yeah. So if I if I can dream big <laughs> and uh, and still be modest in my ecological ethics, um, 
the idea would be to for myself i would like to have the experience of establishing permaculture food forests in every biome meaning desert tropics um cold areas subtropics uh mountains beaches islands you know the everything in the designer's manual like i would like to have had the experience of of actually implementing with my own hands as many of the diagrams in that book as as I can before I die like to me that would be a dream come true that would be heaven on earth that would be the best use of my time the most healing activities I could be engaged in and um and just so much fun and just every day is is as fun as the science fair when you were a kid or something if if you were into that or building um model trains which was what I did so um what do I see myself doing for the rest of my life if my wealth grows as as uh consistently as let's say bitcoin has and I I'm on that uh I'm along for that ride then then yes there will be more properties there will be more very diverse exotic permaculture um systems that I design and co-design and implement and then when I die there will there will be these sites left behind and it will be up to my best judgment to find along the way the people who are at the final at the final revision of that revocable trust when I can't change it after I'm gone who knows if the people on there today if any of them will be there it's almost like the band napalm death where <laughs> they went through members of the band so much that by the time within like a decade of the band existence or something none of there were no more original members so in effect the band itself was basically like a a trust uh, 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 the the intellectual property of the band had been had been signed over again and again to where hey at what point does it become a cover band? Well, never, because that's just the structure of it. So I, I, I think it's a funny uh, reference, but the idea of, well, eventually all of the named trustees will be dead too. So in that sense, over time, it's going to rotate and roll. And the hope is that the spirit of what I'm doing, which is basically, you could take out uh, all of my um, idiosyncratic spirituality and idiosyncratic politics and just say <laughs> this dude bought pieces of land and you know left them better than he found them and now there's a lot of wild edible food and medicine growing and seems to attract a lot of wildlife and provide a lot of habitat and you know maybe there's people squatting in it shooting up and using it as a place to uh <laughs> to piss and shit in like the community gardens i worked in in the city um or maybe there are people really living it up like ewoks and, and making eco villages out of it you know that'll that'll be the, the future will determine you know how that goes down but i'm hoping that uh that uh, there is a legacy uh that is my work and um that it will be very uh respectable amongst the permaculture community and um
yeah, there's worse things that I could be interested in doing with the rest of my life and worse things that I could be intending to leave behind or leave behind. So, you know, every day I take more and more um, landfill stuff out of my daily existence. I'm about to get to a point where I won't ha- I won't touch anything that goes into the trash hardly at all very little and part of that is bulk buying food products and not having single serving anything in small containers retail amounts of condiments and whatnot and then eventually regenerating everything eventually growing my own clothes <laughs> growing my own tools growing my own fabrics everything so that's all possible that's all to be expected as the end game of, of of doing permaculture as a not as a hobby or it can be a hobby a business but most importantly a lifestyle so you can take it as far as you want to but it can take you all the way back to the paleo <laughs> and so that's my goal but um what i realized this is going to be where it all comes together everything that I have shared in this podcast to this point is leading to my hope that uh, while I know the average estate planning first world family is not an extremist, primitivist, back-to-the-lander like I am, where they don't care to have a house or care to have um, the types of things that that heirs are going to want to fight over. I am going to leave behind things that people will be proud to maintain and that they're not going to have really a huge financial incentive to sell or to chop down to basically liquidate and to, to capitalize and commodify, really. Like, the yields of a permaculture food forest are more about <laughs> hosting potlucks, you know, hosting community gatherings, having a maybe at the most like a you-pick sort of um, structure of a business. Uh, it's, it's not like having a farm where if you own a farm and your heirs, you know, they're, they're going to, they're either going to run the farm and make their living from running the farm or they're going to sell the farm. You know, um, that's not the scale that I want to work on. I'm not saying that you can't do permaculture at that level of an industrial ish or commercial scale that certainly can apply at all scales. But for me, it's going to be market gardens forest forest gardens that are conducive to healing centers and very micro scale things but but it's like that's my that's already a given for me and my permaculture lifestyle and what uh well and, and so while I know that that is an extreme and most first world estate planning families are not going to that's not going to be all that they have well can't it be some of what they have and maybe an ever increasing amount of what they have to where if I were if I put myself in the shoes of the let's say 
an affluent, aging American parent with a family of several adult children who are all to some degree at odds with each other and um, to be expected will be possibly more at odds with each other as the inevitable end approaches when it becomes the last moments to make the revisions to that evil, uh, twisted, manipulative will or trust documentation. Um, yeah, it's a horror movie with uh, with an inevitably grotesque outcome that's compounding negativity. And uh, if I were to put myself in the shoes of those types of parents in those situations, I don't I don't expect that I would immediately jump to renounce everything, give all of your money to charity and then spend the rest of your days um convincing other people to do the same. Like if we all did that, the world would be a better place. I don't expect that most people would do that, so I'm trying to be a little bit realistic here. But but the idea of um just putting the idea out there that in at least in a if you if you if I was in that position I'm like okay yeah there's one or more McMansions um you know shall we say multi-million dollar homes or whatever like there's there's one or more of those there's there's a fleet of fancy vehicles there's commercial properties there's residential properties there's everything in the monopoly you know game right you you got it all in your family you got all these investments you got all this invested wealth and all that stuff and so yeah there's going to be lots of money going into the lawyers for the for the heirs to fight over the 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 the, the best uh getting getting the getting the the best of the of the 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 loot you know the the best of the pillaging of the estate and um and they're not going to have much to care to maintain i mean maybe there's a family business that they care to maintain maybe there's a property that they care to maintain um that's lucrative rather than just selling it off i mean but for the most part Uh, permaculture estate planning and in investing in food forests that doesn't seem to be um very mainstream yet and uh i don't know if i will get get it to if i will have any role in helping get it, get it there but um hey i got joan rivers on board with permaculture estate planning and she was a big fan of me and my work as me and my partner at the time did a permaculture survival consultation on her daughter's property and Joan Rivers fought in the reality TV show on our behalf to convince her daughter that this was the way to leave the proper legacy for her grandchild, for that is for that property to be made into a regenerative ecosystem. So that's a pretty uh, good testimonial for <laughs> the approach that, that we're taking of like, Look at this giant wasted space of a backyard with a bunch of ornamentals that you can't eat and a bunch of grass that is 
wasting water and producing nothing where we could do a makeover of that and you could have all kinds of food that would heal all of your ailments and give you a beautiful place to spend your golden years in and to your family to grow in so it's it everybody wins with, with permaculture that is guaranteed um but what i thought was a clever um hack for those people who are thinking about what to do with their wealth and maybe not maybe it's unthinkable again that they would do something extreme but what if they all took a slice of percentage of that uh of all of their overall net worth and they implemented a strategy that would actually help ensure that their children would not tear each other apart over at least over some of the assets and then maybe maybe you extend that and maybe you do liquidate all of your toxic materialistic crap and you trade it all for permaculture food forest land uh, establishing food forests on (laughs) on properties that then become the only thing that is that is in the estate meaning that the accumulation of cash flow in your life that you die with nothing but titles to land that live in a trust and and whatever didn't go to your funeral and your medical bills and your final fucking tax return is is all dispersed into the capitalization of what we call the earth bank so the kid the the heirs who are going to fight over who gets what who who gets how many of the millions of dollars of usd that you left what if you spent all of that so that there was no money to fight over and you spent it you spent all of it not on gold not on stocks and not on yachts but you spent it on food forestry of now this is the key thing that that struck me and it's what i'm doing and what i realize is is really powerful is that in order to this is the game theory the game theory is this your heirs are going to fight for what is in their self-interest and you can you can bet that their self-interest is going to be unecologically and not ecologically informed without ecological ethics and to maximize short-term profit for their own self-interest with everyone every other player with of that game being their adversary like the prisoner's dilemma like getting into the nuance of where you find what they call the nash equilibrium where is that win-win point of you maybe didn't get the best outcome that only favored you you didn't get the zero-sum game outcome you had to compromise at some point but you compromise in a way where even if it's not necessarily perfectly 50 50 percentage of something but but in terms of what you wanted and what you were willing to settle with and you know that that's where the game theory i'm realizing in my studies is very interesting because you can take a lot of different circumstances where you're negotiating with people 
And you can find hidden synergies and hidden mutually beneficial compromises when you do what they call um, create an outcome matrix and you play with, and this is very much in the permaculture design course, the idea of making a table of interactions where it's positive, negative, neutral interactions across the species that you would put into a garden design, for example. So that's a little bit of abstract kind of chalkboardy stuff right there, but to, to slow it down and to get practical with it, get a little more more down to earth with it is the idea that uh so let's say a family like if i could consult with this family that i'm alluding to because kids are going to fight and one of them wants everything to be a nature preserve and one of them wants to put in a fucking walmart and like they can't they're going to fight over over parceling out the the giant piece of land and who gets to live in the house and you know who gets to rent the house they want to do airbnb another one wants to use it for band practice or it's like so you get into this family law divorce court amongst all these heirs and um and it would be a nightmare. So if if I were to say, guess what, everybody, you're gonna you you're not you're not gonna thank me now, and you're not gonna say that you love me more because of this now. But eventually, when I'm long gone, you will understand the value of the of 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 why I'm doing it this way. And I would say, guess what, I'm selling the house, I'm selling the cars. I'm selling the commercial properties. I'm selling the residential rental properties, etc., etc. And me and the missus, or just me, I'm going to live in an airstream. And I'm going to grow my garden here. And I'm going to spend, I'm going to liquidate everything else and spend that money to just do nothing but buy fruit and nut trees and the support species that they would need to get established and I'm going to start that process here on this this property right here and then I'm going to upset you because I'm not going to buy a giant farm property and do permaculture on it so that it's a honeypot for you to fight over selling the thing without parceling it out I'm going to buy it I'm going to spend the rest of that money establishing food forests on tiny handful of acres so that the 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 time it would take you the bother that you would have to go and try to sell that it probably you would you would probably just not even care certain you it probably wouldn't be worth your time to even put it on the market to even try to build anything on it it'll be a dense food forest (laughs) and you will just think you'll just want to write it off you'll want to forget about it you certainly won't fight over it because it won't be worth the time to even do the paperwork for it unless you see the value in the true value of the clean air the clean water the clean food the security the ecological security the food security uh, the beauty the healing the magic if you value that aspect of it, then maybe you will fight over it because um, it has the healthiest, most healing, most magical water or something, right? Like, I would love to know that the heirs or the trustees were fighting over the the most ecologically rich 
of the properties and not the one with the best view and the one closest to the ocean, the one closest to, you know, the hipster district, and that would sell the most on the market. So at the end of this journey of romanticizing an e- a permaculture-informed estate planning, um, I'm going to say that... Uh, the major breakthrough for me was the idea that the game theoretical problem to solve is that the uh, trust or <laughs> the trust or has an intention of x and that in that you can preconceive that that intention is going to be counter to A, B, C, and D held separately by all of those. So you you, you put that, uh, that sort of game theory tic-tac-toe table on the chalkboard and you put your X in the middle and you have, you're surrounded by all of the prerogatives of all of the other warring uh, factions within the, uh, of the errors and the colluding that they do. How do you, how do you construct the game so that the Nash equilibrium of your X variable is arrived on as a matter of rationality and that it is a almost becomes a matter of social science that's that's almost guaranteed, assuming that the actors are somewhat are are like taking their rationality to the maximum degree. So I think about like if all of my heirs were capitalist greedy bastards that didn't have did not see any of the spiritual value of maintaining a food forest with their bare hands and all they cared about was extractable wealth, then I would say, okay, how about making some of these food forests really major in um, high-value boutique medicinal herbs so that they can just own it. They're incentivized to maintain it because of because of the, the the density of value that's produced by it, but they would not be it would not be like they're not going to take a you know a one acre boutique uh, uh, micro green medicinal apothecary herb garden permaculture site and 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 try to sell it to a logger right <laughs> like that see see that's the point if 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 you can figure out if if i can figure out how to run that game theoretical design to where assuming that they're going to just want to milk the property for profits okay how do you do that in a way where they're incentivized not to destroy it incentivized to maintain it in the, the ecological integrity that it that it that it is set up to be and that they do what they should be doing and just maintaining the system and 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 harvesting the yields and knowing that to to keep that system yielding at that rate you have to return surplus you have to compost the 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 um what you have to compost the materials that you take out of it and if you're extracting things and selling them on the market then take the profits from what you sell and use that to uh, add soil amendments and try to keep it local, etc., etc. It can spiral off in many directions, but for the most part, 
<laughs> we are never going to come close to the potential that we we could have to capture solar energy and to make it into sustainable food for ourselves. That's infinite possible, infinite amount of solar energy to be trapped within the real solar panels, which is photosynthetic green material, living green material, photosynthesizing sunlight. That. There's no limit to that. It could be Jack and the Beanstalk forever, everywhere. There's no limit to how much scaffolding you can give to life, which will always and forever, until the death of the sun, <laughs> come global ice age, come fire age. There's a whole there's a whole. Uh, documentary series that that is I think it's going to have to I'm going to have to say it's one of my favorite now the history of of disasters prehistoric disasters I think it was called but uh yeah there was a there was a time when the earth was completely frozen so there was no vegetative life on the surface of the planet there was a time where it was so covered in lava and all of the toxic smoke that there was that also killed massive killing off of vegetative life there was the time when the ocean, when the the moon was so close that it was so powerful that the tidal, that the tide was like miles high, if I'm remembering collect, correctly. So, could you imagine um, the tide going from here to like the middle of the continent every twice a day? You know what I mean? Like miles high? Damn, it's something like that. I don't remember exactly, but I watched all those in a row and I was just like, wow. It's one thing to look up at the stars and feel small. It's another thing to realize how sweet of a spot we we are in. Even now, even with climate change now, it's nothing compared to how uninhabitable it was during the fire age, the the ice age, uh, the, the ocean tidal age, tidal wave age, or whatever you want to call it. We have a pretty forgiving um state of nature to be in and if we're fighting over the McMansion and the fucking gold and the stocks and the cash and the cars man we are seriously missing out on the opportunity to really enjoy paradise on earth and um and I see the the biggest breakthrough for me is the idea of realizing how a large property is going to the heirs are going to want to sell the whole thing off because of the high ticket value of that and it's but if you were to hack and circumvent that impulse to liquidate your permaculture properties if if like the smaller you can make them the more decentralized, the more mycelial those assets become, and the harder it is, the less convenient it would be to just have a real estate agent put it on the market, sell it, and pocket all of that money, and fight over that, and go to court over that. So, literally, I, I actually literally think about how you know that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it very cost prohibitive to sell any of the permaculture sites that I leave behind because they don't they can be so small 
<laughs> that, uh, you know, that would be worth something. They'll all certainly be worth something at the moment that I get them, and they'll be worth more probably when I, you know, by the time I'm dead and gone. But if none of them are like a thousand, a hundred thousand acres or whatever, people that buy these massive holdings of acreage, I think it would, it would, through game theory logic, it would prevent, it would, it would result in people realizing, you know what, well, what can I do with this food forest, eye roll, whatever thing that somebody's dad left behind or mom or whatever. It's like, well, I hear that uh, the herbs that are growing out of it like a weed, you know, if you, if you, you lease that permaculture farmland to a, a really appreciative, savvy, you know, uh, herbalist or something, and they're going to maintain it for you, you'll get kickbacks and uh and you'll be making money i mean that's the that is the elegance of the design that i'm 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 looking at so just i mean cuz think about all the money that goes into the court to fight over shit that's going to all it's not going to go with you into the afterlife and it's all going to go into a fucking landfill and while you're fighting over it in court spending half of the value of the estate on court fees you could have just been living like Baloo in the Jungle Book and enjoying the fucking bare necessities and don't make me sing it. But yeah, I pity the fools who are out there living in hell on earth fighting over landfill material and not building their souls and building the soil. Better train for